Danny Adams on Conveyor is here with The Antidote. Thanks for joining in, Danny. Thank you for having me. Loving Canada. Are you really loving Canada? Yeah. You're just saying. No, well, the weather sucks, but last time, uh, it was the best tour of my life. And the moment we crossed the border, which was way easier than last time. Last time we had five British fellows in the van because we were uh, doing a tour with the British band through here. And this time we didn't. And they were just like, oh, you're a band? Cool. Well, have a fun time. Nice, because that doesn't always happen that way. It does way. not always happen that way. Sometimes they stop you. Um, I've heard horror stories, but we've been blessed to just get sent right on through. Now, we're sitting outside De Bistro. You picked the rainiest day. They said this has probably been the rainiest day in 60 years in Toronto. Really? What? <laughs> okay. We, we scheduled it just for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I grew up in an area that was like this most of the time. So, jacket weather is kind of where I found my comfort zone. <laughs> You told me earlier that you came from Indiana? Yes. I was born in southern Indiana in a town called Madison, um, but I spent half my life there and the other half in Hawaii. Military family. There's big changes. Yeah, lots of rain there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, my town was only an hour from the beach, but it was usually about this rainy, yeah. I'm going to explain something to our listeners who may not realize that conveyor is spelled C-O-N-V-E-Y-E-R. And so how about wrapping up what the band is trying to convey? Well, if I were to put it in a nutshell, with conveyor being a synonym for messenger, all we want to do is be as transparent as possible with what has caused us to uh, question or doubt and even and acknowledge and embrace our, our faith in God with our listeners, um, whether that be through a, a daily ex- a social ex- experience. We, we have a song that's written about what it feels like to be hurt by people who are only interested in, in the fact that you're in a Christian band. I'm not saying this is a problem to, to the point where I complain about it, but for the first time I actually wrote a song uh, where I was like, hey, it, it's a real bummer that you can walk up to a stranger and you want to know what's going on in their life with God and you don't even know my, my middle name. It's small things that, that are very impersonal. It happens a lot of Christian music events and it, it, it catches me off guard sometimes. So th- there's an example of how, how intimate and, and I guess uh, not typical we are with what we're trying to share with our fans. And that, that's just an example. We have songs about hardship and loss, uh, losing loved ones, um, suicide, everything that's that's made us look at our faith and go, okay, how does this coincide with what I believe? What is this going to take away from my faith? And what is it going to give me? Because that happens to everybody every day. Those Christian events, do you actually try to avoid going to? Them? Oh, not not at all. I just, I, I, I try and keep myself level-headed um, and know that I might experience some culture shock because I was raised in an awesome family and we did identify as Christians, but I truly didn't know that I wanted to follow Jesus until I was like 20 or something. And that was seven years ago. Um, so yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't avoid it. I just know that uh, I, I'm, I might be asking questions that um, I would consider abnormal coming from an, a life outside of the Christian music <laughs> culture, I guess. Um, but yeah, n- nothing to the point where it's made me jaded by any means. And that can, that'll never happen to me with this. I love this too much. But uh, the longest short of it would be, I, I want our, our fans and listeners to know that um, there are people that are willing to be open and transparent about all the times they almost said they didn't believe in God because of what was happening in their lives while waiting out and seeing what God can do in your life when that happens. Um, that's happened to me too much for me to deny that that's what I should be writing about. So, Conveyor has had a few lineup changes since the band began. Yep. Who's in the band now? Our actual, our only original member left is our guitar player, Ty Brooks. He formed the band in 2011. Um, 
they did a, a couple of small tours in those first couple of years. In 20, I think it was 2012, my old band was touring through the Midwest and uh, we actually played a show with Conveyor and became buddies. Um, years later, I found myself not in a band anymore and, and my friends in Conveyor needed a vocalist and the rest is history. Some guys get married when I start ha- having kids and we're like, well, this train isn't done yet, so... <laughs> let's call it, let's call up our friends. It's it's a revolving door of friends. It, it has slowed down to a halt now. We, we've we've got the lineup figured out finally. Um, with guys that are knowing what they want to do with their lives, <laughs> uh, with some longevity. But yeah, it's just it's just a party. It's always our buddies, which is awesome. Yeah, because you came into Conveyor after the previous vocalists move on. Yes, isn't that a tough role to fill? I mean, here you've got fans and the other band members have certain expectations. And you don't want to copy another vocalist style. Oh, for sure. So what do you do? Um, man, you have patience with yourself. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, the previous vocalist, Carter Daniels, he's a still a great friend of us, of ours. Um, it, it was, it was nuts because Conveyor, when I joined Conveyor, I hadn't like been on coast to coast national tours yet. They've, they've done some like a Midwest and East Coast stuff, but they hadn't been as, as out as, uh, as we have been since, since, you know, the band picked up when I joined. Um, but it was definitely, as far as melodic hardcore goes, Conveyor held it, in my opinion, held it down for the Midwest, along with bands like Steady Hands, just for instance. Um, another great band that's now defunct. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard, man. I, I definitely, um, had some, some confidence issues. Carter's a great vocalist, he's a great guy. What this band meant to me when I was just a fan or, or helping them book tours before I joined, I didn't want to walk into a band and feel like I, w- I was taking something away from it that, that was better left there. So it's been an experience of, of patience with myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did our, the first full length I did with Conveyor. I, I know that I, I was definitely trying to, f- to fit into the, the vocal style of the previous record. Um, and with this new record we're doing, finally I found where I am in Conveyor. Got it. Yeah. And what about with the other new band members coming in? Did they make a significant change in any way oh, for to sure. your sound? Yeah, definitely. Um, like he actually left the band recently. Uh, our buddy who was drumming for us um, got engaged, so so we had to part ways uh, and write a record and, and hit the road more. But w- he joined with me. He's a very good friend of mine, Daniel Glover. Um, every drummer is different. You know what I mean? So so naturally. It's gonna snowball from there, whether it's a good or bad way. But he's he's an awesome, like very soulful, um, traditional drummer, and it brought some some I don't know some soul to the band that, that not not that it wasn't there before because our the first drummer Brian he is insane for sure. It's just it's interesting getting to see how the music feels um, almost spiritually or internally, uh, depending on who's playing it because every guy is different, you know. It's changed in that sense um, with Jared on guitar now, and and even just the fact that. We have a new lineup and, and, and new music is about to come out. We're all in a, a mindset of like, let's start fresh. Let's see what, what we can produce now and, um, and leave what conveyor sounded like as a whole in the past and, and just move naturally evolve with it, you know? Um, so yeah, good things. That switch from conveyor being independent, being a regional band, and then you signed with Victory Records for your 2015 full length when given time to grow. How has being with Victory changed anything for you? It's oh, it's changed my my whole world. Um, and I don't sound, mean to sound ostentatious. Uh, other than the being a fan of the label thing, I, I grew up listening to Victory's hardcore roster. Are you because, serious? Because it, it was the be- yeah, it was the best. <laughs> there, it's my oh, that was your in. That, That's yeah, why you were yeah. able to get signed. I I grew up like I remember being thirteen in Hawaii, and my mom being the lovely woman she is. She was like, oh, my son loves this weird 
loud music, I'm going to sign up for um, a, a monthly sampler CD. Right. And I think my first sampler was like, it had a Treyu, Silverstein, and Bayside, and probably the Sleeping on it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's still the same for a lot of kids now, but but there was a time when Victory Records was putting out like the household brand name post-hardcore, metalcore, hardcore, emo bands, punk rock bands. It's, it's the, you know, I'll never get my teenage years back, but... <laughs> But and the whole label knows this. If they hear, they already know. I've said it a billion times. I'm a, I'm an idiot and punish them about it whenever I'm in the office. But like, it really was a dream come true as far as being a part of the roster that shaped my interest in in, in aggressive music. Um, but logistically, they've done everything that a label should do and more for us, and I'll never be able to thank them for it. You were destined to be part of that outfit. Oh God, I I mean I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into that album. When Given Time to Grow includes a really, really sad song, Cage, yeah, about a mother being in prison. Yeah. Can you tell us the story behind the song? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's incredibly long one. I'll try and give you the fine points. But uh, for something she did in a past part of her life, very white collar, but a, a legal uh, issue, put my mother in prison. Um, and it, it was a very heartbreaking moment for the family um because it's, it's not and, I, and i'm not saying that we're oh we're above we're not the kind of family that goes to prison but we're we're just not um and and it had everything to do with where my mom was uh psychologically pretty much my father passed when i was 15 and, and he married her when he was 30 and she was 20 and he's always been the, the caretaker um and my mom's a very smart woman and when she's faced with a problem she, she does what she can to fix it and she got involved with a tax company that uh was not legitimate. It was run by an ex IRS employee who, who was uh, having his, his, his underlings file fraudulent claims. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but she was definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time in the worst part of her life. And it, 10 years later, it caught up with her. And this was 2013. Uh, she went to prison. She was sentenced for four years. She only did two and a half. And, uh, I just, I wrote that song because, um, that was something that shook my faith for sure. It was actually, that whole event preceded me joining Conveyor. Um, the easiest way to, to dodge the long part of the story is that me being asked to join Conveyor affirmed a lot of prayer the day of mom being put in prison. And it, it was very like me questioning my faith and then like within an hour, God putting somebody on an airplane next to me who changed my life. Um, but personally, that must have been devastating for you. That'd be For so sure. difficult to go through. For sure. And I, I mean, I'm not the one in prison. I was, um, it's so selfish to say this, but I was blessed enough to know that my mom ended up spending most of her time in a um, very low security, it actually used to be a boys military camp in Texas. Um, that helped me not worry about her so much, but she's a strong woman, man. And, and, and she got out fine. She's back in Hawaii with her husband who, who stayed loyal to her the whole time. They're just back doing what they were doing before. And, nice. and, and God really came through with it. And, I got to see my family um, glorify God. I'm the youngest of five, and, and we're all, you know, uh, our parents raised us believing in God. Um, but it was just interesting to see this happening all while I was in a, in a point in my life where I was seeking God the most and also sensitive to what happens in my life the most with my faith, like like more, more vulnerable. Um, it was interesting to see my, my siblings and I go through that together and then see things come full circle and, and God be glorified through it. And, uh, it makes me really happy to see my siblings get to experience that because it was just an experience that brought us together. So it's cool. Cool. Okay, let's take it into a lighter vein. Also on When Given Time to Grow, you pulled in Cam Smith from Hotel Books for a guest vocals on the song Impatience. Oh, yeah. What did he add to the track? 
Uh, he added Cam Smith to the track. <laughs> um, Cam Smith is a an enigma. He just he just is Cam Smith. <laughs> he well, sings then, in hotel okay. books. Well, then would you say that this is actually a Cam Smith hotel book song versus a conveyor song? We didn't write it together, but we definitely were like, yo, because Cam's a very old good friend of mine. Um, we were like, hey, Cam wants to do a track. Let's write a song that Cam could do well on, and we just did it. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm not, you know, that record, we were, you know, there's only two guys in the band now that, that, that write, wrote that record. Uh, we are very different people in our walk in, in, in what I would call a good way than we were back then. Um, but that song, I'm glad it was written. It was important. And Cam killed it for sure. He's the best. He yeah. did. He nailed it. Oh yeah. It. And I'm a big fan. Conveyor has a new album, No Future, coming out June 23rd. So congrats to you guys. It's superb. Thank you. It's so nice getting advanced copies. I'm so glad you have one. Now, what stands out for me with No Future, it's that it's so eloquent. I mean, I listen to a lot of bands, so I can make a comparison and say that's not always a typical thing in hardcore. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree in the sense that uh, we definitely aren't a traditional hardcore band by any means. Um, And we definitely sample from what I... I would consider to be the the early to mid two thousands metallic influenced hardcore towards like not not truly metal metalcore but but you know what I'm saying the more metallic influenced hardcore punk um, yeah yeah it's I, I guess I guess you could say that because we're we're not a traditional band and, and we we wrote that record with uh, Greg from um, Greg Thomas he he runs Silver Bullet Studios he's also in a band called Misery Signals um, he's played with Shy Halud before uh, mm-hmm. two of my two of the bands that are why I'm in a band now. And it was a real treat riding with him. He helped us come out of ourselves to the point where our influences don't bleed out so much as we just pay homage to a style that has been forgotten a little bit. Mm. Um, and and I, I hope that translates with other people because I truly do believe it. Like I, I told him, I was like, hey, man, uh, I want to be in a band uh, that you could have seen open for Evergreen Terrace in 2006. That'd be great. And he was like, <laughs> and he was like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> so you actually want to live in the past. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I truly am just just living out what I coveted so much as a fifteen year old kid, and <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> and those lyrics, like, would you say that they dominate the songs? Um, in the sense that the 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 lyrical content for No Future um, was somewhat of a group effort because we we bounce ideas off each other, and our our bass player is an English major, and and we wanted to be as um, proper as possible, so. I would say they dominate in this in the sense that on the last record, I'm gonna give them time to grow. There were songs where were that music I I in my personal opinion uh, was stronger than than my performance, whether it was lyrically or just vocally in general. I think this time, um, I mean, I put I was in the studio for nine weeks, so I I tried my best to uh, walk out with no regrets, and I definitely did. Cool. Yeah. The new album points out the negatives and problems of the world, like on the opening track, Dust. It has the line. We've discolored the truth black and white to conserve our way of life. So where's the hope and solution? Man, so that song was written with one thing in mind. The feeling I get when I see the uh, the Western American Christian Church behaving in ways that only defends our cultural beliefs, not what we're um, instructed by Christ, but mostly protects tradition and our, just our history as a country. The line, uh, we discovered the truth black and white to conserve a way of life. In America, I can't speak for Canada, because I'm not from here, but in America, 
politicians who probably, as far as I'm concerned, don't believe what they're saying they believe to get votes. Um, I think they know that there is a hot topic with religious people and one guy's going to pick one side and someone else is like, well, I want to run for office, so I'm going to hop on this other train. I truly don't believe that most of them care, um, at least near the top. De- presidents, questionable, for sure. Um, <laughs> and I'll stand by that. Um, the hope in that is to not put your stock or faith in the system or the people. I grew up in southern Indiana. I know too many people who their their rock in life, their place of safety and comfort is knowing that the guy they love the most got in office. And and sometimes they don't and they have, they freak out and their whole paradigm crumbles. I, I just think it's stupid. <laughs> that's 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 my whole thing. Um the solution to everything, and this sounds super <laughs> dumb. Doesn't sound dumb, but like people would expect a Christian it's so Christian me to say this, but it really is Jesus. Uh I don't care what happens in this life because I'm pretty firm in, in what happens after that, to, you know, based on what I believe. So, um, solution to what the, the problem in that song, that's the only one I know. Uh, the other one is maybe you just don't identify so much politically to the point where it controls your actions and emotions because that's ridiculous. Kids do that with superheroes and cartoon shows. Well, no, I want to challenge you here for a second. Do Christians spend too much time emphasizing on where they're going to end up and ignoring what they're doing in the world today. 100%. 100%. And I, I fail at this every day, but I, I want to act like the kingdom of God is like about to just pop up right now. Um, so yes, we've written a lot about just being okay with dying. <laughs> uh, and it's not, it's not me saying I want to die. It's me saying like, if it ends today, I'm like, okay, that's fine. There's, this will go to the birds. I, I travel so much that... What really gives me joy is getting to see things and, you know, national parks and beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that. I grew up in Hawaii. You were so spoiled, man. Oh, I know. Hawaii. I Isn't know. that everybody's dream? It is. Yeah, it's expensive to live there. I'd never raise a family there, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah. The first single from No Future is Whetstone. Does the song hold some kind of importance for the band? I mean, to choose it as the single. Sure. Um, that song being a single had everything to do with everyone in the band going, hey, for all these reasons, this would be the cool first new song. Um, and the label going, oh yeah, cool, we, we agree, let's do so it. So it was just like that. It was just like that. I mean, if someone were like, Danny, you have full control and you're the only one who's making this decision, I, w- I would have picked my favorite song because I'm selfish. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but I, I know why Wet Stone was smartest. Um, it's an important song. Um, I, I'm, you know, my bandmates, they, they all, they're always are really nice guys. Like, oh man, I, I relate to this song you wrote for this reason or whatever, which is cool. But I wrote that song. It's, uh, kind of my forte to be in the Christian breakup realm because I, uh, I've spent a lot of time, you know, it, at least as a younger Christian, um, years ago, finding out what I believe about singleness and, and how, and comparing what, how the church approaches the, the subject, uh, what, uh, scripture and, and Jesus say about it. Um, and then what happens in my life and just trying to, you know, digest that three ways. Um, yeah, that's, that song is about two spiritually immature people from two different kinds of Christian families seeing what happens when you over spiritualize your love life. And the, this is the idea in, in general. And, uh, when, when innocence is lost and, and we, we let our humanity affect each other, um, how that can affect your faith. It's not a cool thing to talk about because if there's anything that's lamer than, always writing breakup songs that's being a Christian writing breakup songs is people care even less which is fine there's always gonna be somebody like me and that's why I write it you know you were talking about the past so why don't you just take it back and you can reinvent yourself as, as an emo band oh my gosh <laughs> if my band was here right now 
I feel like half of us would be like, yeah, man. And then, <laughs> and then, and then our drummer and, and Ty would be like, be like, heck no, man. That's kind of my dream, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> oh, that's what conversations are all about. Okay, final thought. Now, with the album being titled No Future, is that going to make it totally redundant for me to ask about the future of Conveyor? Sure. We actually, <laughs> we had the thought, like, hey, maybe we, like, spoke it into existence for us to just be doing terribly from here on out by naming this record No Future. Um, but I don't necessarily believe in that. Uh, right now, all we want to do is play a place we haven't played before, and so far, we've got the U.S. and Canada on lock. Um... We have some talks of uh, Europe happening in July. Uh, we, our guitar player and I work for a, a booking agency. Um, its home office is actually in in the UK. A buddy of ours, Graham, clues with the Alexia agency. Uh, we're we're trying to get out there in July. Um, we're we are trading tours with an Australian band. We're, we're taking them out to the East Coast, of the United States, for a couple weeks in the fall. Um, and they're taking us out to Australia for a couple weeks. Um, it's not announced yet, but. Hopefully uh, that'll be a winter yeah. tour for Australia. Oh yeah, our winter. Sure, sure, summer. sure. That would be great. Yeah, we're every one of the bands at this at this point. We're like, yeah, we want to push it um, to where if we are going to be touring a lot, we want to be in places that we haven't played yet. So we're just focused, not really trying to worry about the industry, how the games play, what other bands are doing. Just kind of doing our thing and not freaking out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I guess I should bring up the obvious question: No future. Is there no future? No, there's definitely a future. Because you sort of have this apocalyptic photograph on the front of the album, yeah. and it's like, wow, scary. So, okay, the photograph, we were driving through California, heading to play a show in Los Angeles last summer, and there was a humongous, and I mean humongous, brush fire throughout the countryside. Um, and we're on the interstate going 70, you know, and just flying by it. And our guitarist, Jared, who's a very talented photographer, just pulls out his camera and through our tinted window, just goes, click, one shot. It looks like a neighborhood's on fire, but it's actually a smoke plume from an entire hillside that's on fire. I mean, there were homes evacuating. Mm. And uh, it was kind of our analogy for the adversity of a broken world coming where your safe place is, your house. And I believe, and this, is, this isn't me being, you know, dogmatic, but popular culture and the status quo are in green light support of very stupid things. <laughs> and uh, that's what that record's about. Well, listen, Danny, thanks for coming on The Antidote, and have a great tour. Thank you so much for having me.